Welcome to the 27th episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Today we're going to be taking a look at UFC Fight Night, Rodriguez versus Watterson. Then after that we're going to take a look at some other news that happened in the UFC recently. And we're going to end by looking forward to UFC 262, which is headlined by Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira as they are fighting for the UFC Lightweight Championship. But before we get started, make sure to go follow my other social medias. I have Twitter and TikTok. So if you like this podcast, you should like the content over there. Lots of MMA content throughout the week. So it kind of holds you over until another podcast. So, and also before we get started, as you may have noticed, I have a little different of a setup here. I'm back home. I was at my college apartment before. That's where all the old podcasts were at. So for the next couple months here, we're going to be rolling with this setup and we might see some changes, you know, week to week as I'm kind of ironing out the setup that I will have for, you know, this location. So bear with me through that, but we're still going to be posting every week new podcasts. So I hope you enjoyed those and let's get started with this week's episode. So Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Watterson. This was, ended up being a pretty entertaining fight. I wasn't too excited for this, and I think that stems from the fact that the original booking for this fight was TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen. That was a fight I was so incredibly ready for. I've been I've been asking for that fight since December, I believe, maybe November. After Corey Sanhagen beat Marlon Moraes, I you know came on this podcast and I said, "Hey, make TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen." They didn't. They decided to wait. And then Corey knocked out Frankie Edgar, obviously. Everyone remembers that great knockout. And then they were like, all right, let's make this fight. TJ had to pull out of the fight. And, you know, it really it really put a damper on this fight card for me because it is such a big letdown. They could have put any fight on the entire, just about any fight. They could have put a lot of fights here on this headline. And I wouldn't have been excited because it's just such a letdown from... Corey Sanhagen versus TJ Dillashaw and it's as to no fault of Marina Rodriguez or Michelle Watterson and it ended up being a very entertaining fight you know this was I believe it was fight of the night if not it was still very entertaining they went out there and Rodriguez was very active she threw a lot of shots especially at the end of rounds I was very impressed by how Rodriguez was able to trap Michelle Watterson in the corners of the octagon. And then when she got her in the corners, she unloaded heavy combos and, you know, was really trying to finish the fight when she had Watterson up against the fence. Watterson is also a very fun fighter to watch because she uses she has such a strong kick game, first of all, and she utilizes her kicks much differently than many other fighters do. So when you combine those two things, you know, this was ended up being a great fight to watch. Marina Rodriguez looked very good. She came off her last win over Amanda Hebas, and they gave her a veteran in Michelle Watterson, and she proved again as to why she's one of the best. I, I don't know if I want to say up-and-comers, but, you know, she is peaking in the rankings in terms of her career. This is the highest she's ever been, so... She's starting to put it all together and become a title contender. And this strawweight division is looking really good right now. This fight took place, obviously, at 125, but it's looking like it's going to affect the rankings at 115. 
very short notice, so they probably couldn't make weight. So it, I'm sure this will affect the rankings at 115. And Marina Rodriguez at 6 has a lot of fun options. Uh, the 22nd, we have Yao Xiaonan versus Carla Esparza. So that should give us some answers. And then we have our new champion. So there's another answer that we've kind of talked about over the last couple weeks. I've had some questions is how is this going to turn out, you know? You know, we we talked about this a little bit after Mackenzie Dern won. What is next for Mackenzie Dern? Well, she's right in the same conversation as Marina Rodriguez, and you could make that matchup, and that would I think that's a good matchup to make, Dern versus Rodriguez. They're both up-and-comers, so maybe you don't really want to give two up-and-comers a fight against one another because you don't want to burn that... Um, potential of a big time fight down the road but right now if you square off Mackenzie Dern and Marina Rodriguez it kind of proves a lot of things both of these fighters if they beat one another they would answer a lot of questions as to whether they are championship material because say you're Mackenzie Dern if you go out there and beat another great striker in Marina Rodriguez you know that adds more validity to your case of being a number one contender if you're Marina Rodriguez, you go in there and you take out probably the best BJJ artist, possibly the best grappler overall in that division. You know, there you are. It's a big time case for will I fight for a title, you know? So I think Dern versus Rodriguez makes a lot of sense. Beating one another would give them a big step up and it would kind of show that they deserve some top tier competition in that 115 pound division whether that is the winner of Carla Esparza versus Yao Xiaonan, or they may fight for the title next, so that could be something to think of. Whether that is Zhang Wei Li after her loss, whether that is Joanna, who she wants a title fight right now, but I'm not sure we're going to get that. So she may be in the market to fight Darren or Rodriguez. But like I said, pairing them up against one another, you have one come out victorious. That really propels them you know, to the top of this 115-pound division. And I think that would be very beneficial for the UFC and uh, the winner of that fight, obviously. And the loser would still have, would still be a top fighter in that division. So, you know, the loser wouldn't be completely out of this. They could easily work their way back because they're both very talented. But as of right now, I think that is the best way to go for both of them. For Watterson... Uh, it, it all depends on when she wants to return. It doesn't look like she did too bad. She was. It doesn't look like she was really beat up too bad. She had some damage, but, you know, it wasn't like a Kelvin Cater where you're like, oh, he needs to, you know, take some time off. So for for Watterson, I think Nina Nunez would be an interesting matchup or Amanda Hebus. Maybe Angela, well, probably not Angela Hill. Angela Hill is probably going to fight a lot sooner. So... There's some good options there for Watterson, and there's a lot of unbooked. 7, 8, 9 are all unbooked. 10's unbooked. 11, 12. So there's a lot of ways that we could go here. Um, I guess it all depends. You know, Hebus got COVID, and Angela Hill, their fight got scrapped because of that, so maybe they try and rebook that. Um, but like I said, either way, Watterson still has options. I think Nina Nunez would be a very good fight. Tisha Torres is another good option. 
So she's not completely out of this either, and she she will always be a fun fighter to watch, in my opinion. And then in the co-main, we had Cowboy Cerrone versus Brandon, or excuse me, Alex Moreno. I almost said Brandon. Cowboy, you know, Moreno went out there and he looked good. You know, first of all, let's give credit where credit is due because Moreno was able to go in there and get Cowboy out of there. So now this this kind of brings up the question of every time Cowboy loses, we sit here and we say, hey, you know, is it time for Cowboy to retire? He either needs to retire or commit to 155, I think. And you can make the case he should retire altogether. I think that 155 is a must if he continues. There are, you know, right now he's a little bit undersized at 170. Moreno looked bigger in there, and he's not necessarily, or Moreno, excuse me. And he's not especially a very big 170 pounder. So I think he needs to go down to... 155 commit to that if his next fight's at 155 he'll have a lot better of a chance at winning so you know i think that would be beneficial to the ufc because you can match cowboy against a lot of the up-and-comers at 155 and see how they do against cowboy and vice versa you see hey does cowboy still have this left in this you know does he still have fight left in him and you can get answers to a lot of questions by cowboy moving down to 155 and i hope that's what we see next from cowboy and then, possibly, one of the more important fights on this card was Neil Magny versus Jeff Neal. Now, I'm surprised they didn't make this the main event, because these are two top-ranked welterweights. So, I really thought that they would make this fight, but move it to the main, but they didn't. Maybe, you know, there could have been some issues getting that booked for five rounds for one of those guys. That's a possibility. So, Neil Magny versus Jeff Neal. This is very interesting fight here because Neil Magny was able to win this without using much of his grappling. If you were to tell me coming in, into this that most of the fight would take place on the feet, I would have told you that Neil Magny would have no chance. But, you know, and that's not, that's not, I didn't say that as a knock to Neil striking, but more that Jeff Neil is a tremendous striker, a great power puncher, really good boxing. So, Neil did the the uh, Neil okay let me say this Neil is great at winning fights he's not he doesn't dominate fights but he knows how to win a fight and that's all you need to do he came out there with a clear strategy you know it looks like he kind of took that maybe took that first round off a little bit and let Neil get tired and then second round third round he really pours it on you know kicks to the body teeps to the body lots of jabs quickness it doesn't, he, it doesn't look like he's throwing 100%, really trying to pour it on to Jeff Neal. It looks like he's just trying to touch him. And when you're constantly touching someone, that that pace really wears down the opponent. It looks good in the eyes of the judges, and it does a lot to help you win a fight in the end. And that's what it did for Neil Magny. So salute to him for coming in with a great strategy and employing it to the, you know, employing it and going out there and getting a win. So, what's next for Neil Magny? This division at 170 is looking really interesting because uh, I feel like there's a clear drop-off. And there's, I shouldn't say a drop-off, but you get to a certain point. I would probably say that point is at 10, and then uh, that's Geoff Neal. And then you get to some more guys who aren't as proven 
as you know that top half of the division in Lee Jingliang, Bilal Muhammad. They've all have some very impressive wins, but they don't have a win against a top top guy. Uh, Lee's best win is against Ponzinibbio, who is coming off a big layoff. Bilal, you know, doesn't have a massive win. Sean Brady doesn't have a massive win. Excuse me. So, um, very interesting here. Sean Brady, these are all very talented guys, but like I said, they don't have a win that kind of sticks out on the record. And I don't know if they would want to book Neil against one of those guys, but when you look ahead of Neil in the rankings, there isn't a lot of, you know, open names. I don't remember if they got Damian Maya booked. I believe they did. Um, I'll double check on that. But from the rest, you know, it's pretty booked up in the top half of that division. Or if those guys, yeah, they've got Neil Magny versus, or excuse me, Damian Maya versus Bilal Muhammad. So when you're looking at the top half of this division, you know, I don't know who you put Neil against. Do you put him against Luke? Most people would argue that Luke has earned a guy ahead of him in the rankings. You can't really give him Kiesa. They just had a fight that wasn't too competitive. And then once you don't have a competitive fight with Kiesa, Kiesa very handedly won that fight. It's tough to give you him someone ahead of Kiesa in the rankings. So Neil's in a tough spot here. I think he might have to wait this out. And, you know, Hazmat Chimaev might be the answer to this question because they have beef. It's very rare that Neil Magny has beef with an opponent, but he has beef with Hazmat Chimaev. So maybe that's the best way to go. And we might have to wait until Hazmat is back to see both Neil and Hazmat in action. Obviously, we have to wait for Hazmat to be back to see Hazmat. But we may have to wait for his return before we see Neil Neil Magny again. And I think that would be good for Hamzat and Neil. I think that Neil is an opponent where if you beat him, it proves that you can move up in this division. It proves that you you deserve to be ranked, and you deserve to be highly ranked, and you deserve a big-time opponent, similar to what we're seeing out of Kiesa right now. So, and then we also have Geoff Neal. What's next for him? Sorry, sometimes I say Geoff. It's Jeff, but Jeff Neal, I like that. I like a fight of, between Jeff Neal and Li Jingliang. I think that is very interesting and the winner of that would would kind of, you know, get a springboard in this division. But I think that would be a very fun fight. Neil versus Sean Brady would be a fun fight. There's a lot of fun fights in between that you could, you know, anytime you're booking Jeff Neal, it's probably going to be a fun fight. But matching him up with Lee Jing and Liang or Sean Brady, both very fun fights. So I hope we see one of those. And that would give also... I just said that Li Jingliang and Sean Brady don't have that win that really sticks out in terms of name value. Jeff Neal can add that to um, their resume if they're able to get a win. So I think that would benefit both guys. And then we have Gregor Gillespie versus Diego Fajeda. Gillespie looked great in this. He was able to break Diego here. And, you know, that's not something that we'd really seen that much of in terms of Diego being kind of broken and very high conditioning, high pace. That'll do that. And there, I personally was questioning how this would go 
for Gregor because he has all the talent in the world. But, you know, he was out for so long. In his last fight, he lost in brutal fashion after a head kick from Kevin Lee. So, you know, it's kind of interesting as to how he was able to come back and look so good. And I think that what I just said, Gregor Gillespie mirrored a, mirrored a lot of those doubts in his post-fight presser. So, so much respect to Gillespie for coming out there and getting a big-time win. And he looked really, really good. And, you know, he was able to finish Diego. And I know finishes aren't everything, but if you look at Daniel ba- or Benil Daryush, he was not able to finish Diego. <coughs> Excuse me. He was not able to finish Diego, so that's something to keep in mind that uh, Gregor was able to go out there and finish and, you know, go out there, and he looked very good, so... I'm interested to see what's next for Diego, or excuse me, for Gregor. I think Islam would be a fun, fun fight. You know, this now the lightweight division is so hard to book. Well, it's hard and easy to look at fights for the the lightweights because there's so many guys that are booked right now, so it's hard to book. But at the same time, you could have anyone fight anyone, and it's probably a fun fight. But Gregor's got to move up in the rankings. I don't really want to see that Kevin Lee rematch. He beat Diego Fajeda, so he's going to move up to at least... He's probably going to move up to 12 or 13. And, you know, once you get to 11, you have Islam. That'd be a really fun fight if they can both agree to that. Paul Felder, you know, when is he going to return? Paul doesn't fight that frequently, so I don't even like throwing names out for Paul Felder. I think if... Benil Dariush loses to Tony Ferguson. I think that would be a really interesting fight. Um, if Benil wins, that'd be a different story because you got to move Benil way up. You know, he's got to be fighting in the top five if he beats Tony. If Tony loses, that might be a fun fight as well. Or, you know, maybe RDA. That might be a little bit, bit, little bit of a stretch maybe. I guess it all depends on who Islam fights because you might have Islam versus RDA. That takes away two good bookings. But... If Benil Daryush loses, that would probably be the fight that I would want to see the most. Because I think, you know, those are two guys who would be close in the rankings recently fighting at the same time. So, I think that would be a really interesting matchup. And for Fajeda, he's probably going to have to do the the dirty work. Once you, If you're in that, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 range and you lose, and Diego's lost at least two in a row. I, yeah, two in a row. He's going to have to do the dirty work. And what I mean by that is he's probably going to have to fight one of these top up-and-coming 155-pounders, and that's not going to be fun. That's not going to be fun at all because those guys, Rafael Fazid, Brad Rydell, Ardman, or Armin, you know, there's so many really good fighters here that aren't ranked at 155, and he's going to have to be the guy to take on one of them, it looks like, so... Doesn't look like Diego's got an easy easy day of work coming for him. Then let's skip ahead to um, some other news in the UFC. For, yeah, we'll, we'll go to other news. Most of this other news is involved with UFC 262 in some kind of, some way. So it's really going to, oops, sorry. Uh, it's really going to mesh together here. But I look forward to UFC 262 and uh, some other news, so it's kind of going to come together. But the one piece that kind of isn't 
so involved with UFC 262 is TJ Dillashaw cornered Juan Archuleta, and he, you know, there was a picture going around of his cut, and, well, I should say lack thereof a cut, because he was supposed to fight Corey Sandhagen on Saturday, and his cut on his eyebrow kind of um, forced that to be canceled. Now, the the thing about this is whether he has a cut now, that doesn't really make a difference as to whether he can fight or not. Because when the injury originally happened, you have to cancel the fight. And I'm a big Corey Sanhagen fan, so this isn't like coming from a biased point towards TJ Dillashaw. If anything, I'm not the biggest TJ Dillashaw fan, so this would be the complete opposite of that. But with that being said, when you have a cut like that, you have to cancel the fight because you don't know how that's going to heal in a two-week period, and you can't really expect him to be ready to fight. And it could burst open really easily in the in the fight. And I think it's better to have this fight canceled and rescheduled than it is to have this fight, you know, happen and then have, you know, the cut burst open and have it uh, kind of, you know, end of a cut. I think that would be worse. But, you know, I don't think this is something that TJ was running from because he was very clearly had a massive cut on his eye. And I think at that point, that's when doctors and UFC officials have to step in and say, hey, we have to cancel this fight. Because you can't risk having it fall through, you know, later. You you know, this fell through about two or three weeks out. But if it if they, you know, try and keep this, you know, fight on the card and then this cut doesn't heal and now we're pulling it, you know, a week out or three days out, it's gonna be a lot harder to get that replacement fight. So that's why that happened, you know, not fortunate, but I just wanted to address that quickly because I saw a lot of people talking about that and it didn't really, you know, make sense to me as to why that was such a big deal because, you know, it just doesn't make much sense to me. And then UFC 262 has really taken a hit. This piece of news is a little bit older because I didn't talk about it last week because I didn't film last week because I was moving on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, but Nate Diaz versus... Leon Edwards was called off UFC 262. It has been moved to UFC 263. This does two things. Two very obvious things. It it makes UFC 262 a lot worse in terms of card quality. And it makes 263 a lot better. UFC 263 is quietly becoming a great card. You know, it started off as, you know... I'm sorry. It started off with uh, UFC 263 being kind of a weaker card because you had Figueredo versus Moreno and then Damian Maya versus Bilal Muhammad, Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill. All very fun fights that I'm interested to see. But when you add Israel Adesanya versus Mar- Marvin Vittori as the main event, and when you add Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz as the third fight down on the card, being a five-round non-co-main event, non-title fight, this card is looking very good. Very, very good. So it has slowly improved to being a top-tier card. So I'm excited for that. But, you know, 
I think what this tells me is that Nate Diaz is taking this fight very serious because I don't think Nate Diaz pulls out of a fight if he's not taking it very serious and if this injury isn't something that could, you know, prevent him from winning. I think he's taking this fight very seriously and he wants to go out and make a statement and I think him pulling out of this fight proves that. So, um, I'd rather see someone pull out of a fight than go in there and fight injured. Because, you know, if Nate Diaz goes in there with this back problem and, you know, loses, then, you know, he's got an easy out saying, oh, you know, it was the back. You know, if you pull out of a fight with an injury and then lose the rescheduled fight, there's a lot less that, you know, and I'm not saying Diaz would make excuses. I'm kind of bringing this, you know, more of a general statement because some fighters would make that excuse. So I think it's better to pull out than go in there, fight injured, than use it as an excuse when you lose. And, you know, all the fans of that fighter would also use that excuse. So you'd be seeing it for years on Twitter and social media. And I think it just solves a lot of a lot of problems. Fight healthy, don't fight injured. And then, you know, we're going to see more fights with a more realistic outcome. So I'm glad I'm glad that happened Uh um, I shouldn't say I'm glad that happened, but I'm glad that, you know, an injury happened and we took the proper kind of uh, action to make sure everything's good here in the future. And then Shabazian versus Hermanson was also moved to May 22nd. Um, this happened right before I started recording, so I don't really have too many details on that. So that's unfortunate, but it did happen. And once again, this card took another hit. UFC 262 did. But now that we've discussed that, I'm going to give my thoughts here on this card. Okay. Um, I have, in the main event, we have Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira. I'm leaning Michael Chandler in this. I think that Michael Chandler is the better striker here. And I think that's going to be important because... In, in my opinion, it's going to be tough to see Charles Oliveira taking down Michael Chandler because he has such strong wrestling. But, you know, Oliveira was able to take down Kevin Lee, and he was able to take down Tony Ferguson. So I think that, I think that Michael Chandler sees that, and he's going to be more aware that, you know, Oliveira has that takedown ability. It's not that the ability isn't there, but that ability is no longer hidden. It's no longer a secret. He went out there and took down two great wrestlers. And now that Chandler has seen that, I think he's going to be prepared for that, and he's going to have his wrestling ready. And if Chandler's defensive wrestling is ready, this fight's going to take place mostly on the feet. And when this takes place on the feet, I go Chandler just because he's so powerful on the feet and, you know, with that build, throwing leg kicks, you know, working shots to the body and head like he did against Dan Hooker, I think Chandler's a very tough person to beat. And he's one of the more well-rounded fighters in the UFC. And I think after that fight, we will see more people saying that Chandler is one of the more well-rounded fighters in the UFC. So I'm going Chandler in that. I could see knockout and I could see decision. I don't think he'd get a submission win unless it's like a, you know, knock him out on the feet, he falls down, grab a rear naked choke, get him to tap type deal. But I could see knockout, I could see decision. I think he's going to have control of this fight and whether he can land the shot to put it away or not, 
Um, we'll have to wait and see, but I will think he will be in control of this fight. Then, the co-main Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush. This is a very tough one to call for me. I'm a big Tony Ferguson fan. I'm here wearing the Grand Valley shirt. That's where I go to school. Tony Ferguson went to Grand Valley. So I'm a big Tony Ferguson fan. And in this one, my head says it's going to be Benigno Darius because he's on such a hot streak. And he is the younger fighter. And he's, he's you know, kind of in his prime. Well, it looks like Tony's coming out of his prime. But my heart says Tony. I don't think I ever picked Tony to lose a fight. And I'm going Tony in this one just because I think we have seen changes in his preparation since his loss to Oliveira. He has been more open to coaching, and he's been he's been more aware that, hey, I wasn't well-rounded enough. A lot of the issues we saw from Tony, we, we saw him say those were issues. So if he can recognize those issues, I'm thinking that Tony will be able to fix those issues. A lot of times fixing the issue is easier than in, than recognizing it. And since he recognized it, I think he can take care of him. So I'm going Tony. I don't know if we'll see prime Tony. Um, but I think we'll see a better Tony. And I think a better Tony can beat Benil Daryush. But I do think this is going to be close. Because both guys, you know, have a lot on the line in this one. Who knows what's next for Tony if he loses. If Benil, you know, wins, he's you know, kind of got a lot of hype around his name after beating Tony. So I I really think a lot of guys have a lot of, both guys have a lot on the line, and I think we're going to see a, a tough, you know, potential fight of the night right here. And then another fight that's potential fight of the night, Shane Burgos versus Edson Barbosa. These two are going to go to war. Who's, who's going to win? Toss-up for me. Toss-up. Flip a coin. Edson has looked really good in his last couple fights. Shane Burgos has, you know, always, always been a tough guy to beat. And the people who have beat him have, you know, really had to put in the work to do it. I think the last person to beat Shane was Cater. And they had a really close fight going up. Oh, Josh Emmett. Yeah, Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos was... Fight of the night that night, he beat he beat Maquan and he beat Cub Swanson. So then his last loss was before that was to Calvin Cater. Yeah, I think this is like I said, this is gonna be a close one, toss up. But I lean Barbosa is that's where I'm leaning, but I'm not confident in that because I'm more confident that this will be an absolute war than I am in picking a winner. And then women's flyweight, Caitlin Trukagan versus Viviane Arjuno. So I lean, I'm leaning Arjuno, and she looked very good in her last fight. But Trukagan is no slouch. A lot on the line in this one. That's the nice thing about these fights is there's a lot on the line for all these guys on this main card. Um, we still don't know which fight is going to replace Hermanson and Shabazian on the main card. But the other four have a lot on the line. Arjuno has her chance to prove that she's a top fighter in this 125-pound division and that she is a title contender, and she's not just a prospect. And Chukagan has to prove once again that she's, you know, still one of the top fighters in this division. And 
But with that being said, Eileen Arjuno, I was very impressed with her last fight. Chukagan has also looked good as of late, but I am leaning towards Arjuno. Just, just yeah, it might be might be the fact that I was more impressed by her last performance and less from a less from a strategic standpoint as to why I'm picking Arjuno. But she did look good in her last fight, so I am I am riding with her for the rest of this one. And then the prelims of UFC 262. I think we had a couple fun fights on here, but nothing major, if I remember correctly. I haven't looked at him in a minute here. And. Okay. We have Jack Array versus Andre Muniz. Lando Venata versus Mike Grundy. Andrea Lee versus Antonita Shevchenko. Those are all some fun fights, and I like those. We have. Matt Schnell versus Rodrigo Botonian. Jordan Wright versus Jamie Pickett. I like a lot of these fights. These are some fun fights on the prelims. I'll be watching these. I watch most of the prelims, so I guess that's not a new statement. But some very fun fights here. I'm not going to go through and do a breakdown on all these. I imagine that the UFC... What the UFC should do is move up Schnell versus Bonatrin. Um can't say his last name but uh they should move that up to the main card let's get some more eyes on these guys at 125 pounds and i think or maybe andrea lee versus shevchenko i think one of those two should get bumped to the main card keep jack array as the headline of the prelims so uh yeah that's my thoughts on who should move up not too much to talk about this week um Kind of a kind of a shorter episode. I mean, I'm not gonna drag out here and talk about some stuff that you know isn't very interesting. So we only got 30 minutes. We're gonna cut it at 30 minutes. So, and uh, before we end this, I'm sorry, very nasally today. Uh, allergies are bad. Might not sound the best. My apologies for that. So, but thank you through the allergies, through the new setup. If you watch this whole thing, thank you very much. And thank you for watching the 27th episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Join me next week when we break down the aftermath of UFC 262.